Thank you, bro. I'm so excited that Philip informed you guys. Some of you know, I know you know, but uh, we're going to be baptizing just after service. So here's the thing. If you're not on the schedule, that's just fine, all right? You can be baptized today. If God speaks to you, if he has spoken to you already, or he speaks to you during the message, and you want to be baptized, you will not have to sit for the entire service in wet clothes. You can just sit in your car in wet clothes, which won't be nearly as bad, right? And, uh, and we have a t-shirt for you. So if you would like to be baptized today, we have t-shirts available. You can, a legacy shirt. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't understand. You can see Philip. So Philip was just up here. You guys all saw him, all right? He will help you get baptized today if you would like to be baptized. We have several people on the schedule, uh, so they're going to be baptized. If you want to hang around and just celebrate baptisms with us, just gather around the tank out there and just let's rejoice together in what God is doing in just raising people to new life in Christ. I'm excited about Palm Sunday. How about you guys? I'm so excited about Palm Sunday. I mean, this is one of those holidays that we get to celebrate with millions of other Christians all over the planet. Did you know that? Like, how cool is that to know that people all over the world are reading the exact same passage today that we're gonna read, which is the triumphal entry passage. So, I, man, I'm just excited, man. Today's good. We've, we've dedicated some beautiful babies. We're gonna baptize. Today's a good day in the kingdom. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Amen. You guys doing well today? You guys excited to be in church? I'm excited to be in church and it's already been good. So even if I didn't preach, we'd go home blessed. Amen. It's already been good. But if you've got your Bible, we're going to go a little bit further in our worship to the Lord. And I want you to turn and open up to Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 through 11. And as you're um, on your way to the scripture, let's just give Rick a hand for blessing us. So good. I, I tagged him on my Instagram story. He didn't know. He'll see it when he sits down. But I tagged him. I'm like, I just love this guy. He's a pro. He's a pro. I love Rick, man. He's amazing. So if you're, if you're there, just say amen. If you're not there, say, hold on. Wait just a minute. All right. We'll wait for you. We'll wait for you. you guys, did you guys do sword drills when you were a kid? I never won any sword drills, you know, unless it was uh, Genesis or Revelation. Thankfully, as I've gotten older, I got a little bit better at sword drills. But if you need to, you know, first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter uh, 21, verse 1 through 11. And guess what? It's on the screen. So if you don't have your uh, app or you don't have your... Uh, Y'all got the app. If you're there, say amen. If you're ready to, if you're hungry for the word of God, just say amen. Awesome. That's all of us, Lord. So we're all expectant today. Let's read this together. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. You make all things new. You may, oh, no, that's not in the passage. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. And this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you humble. Everybody say humble. humble. That's important. And mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden, 
the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. Now, hold on, turn, turn back to that one, Chris. I just wanna make sure that we all see that last sentence because I really feel that it has some genuine weight on it. How many of you know that we don't just read the Bible, but the Bible reads us? And every now and then there are certain obscure passages of scripture that just jump off of the page and into our spirit and we just get challenged by them. You guys ever had that experience before? For me, as I was preparing to preach to you today, I saw that passage and I was like, "Woo, that's got some heat on it. Now, we, we don't have time to dive into it, but if we would just let the Bible read us for a minute and it says the disciples, everybody say, that's me, that's me. went and did. You, you didn't have to say that part, but that's okay. Now let's say it together. Went and did as Jesus had directed them. So good. Next one, please. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks. And he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna. Everybody say, Hosanna. Hosanna. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And here it is again. Hosanna. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So Father, we thank you for the privilege that it is to meet the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee today. We thank you that Jesus is in the room. We thank you that transformation is in the room. We thank you that each and every one of us are gonna leave this place changed by the presence and the power and the love of the prophet from Nazareth. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. amen. So today I want to preach to you guys a message entitled, Purposed to Pour Out. Purposed to Pour Out. So when we look at the scene, when we examine the story just a little bit, we'll see that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is, at the time, not a quiet city. By far, it's actually in celebration of the Passover season. So you have a festival taking place in the capital city and you have people from all over the nation that have crowded into the capital city of Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover season. They're preparing for the weekend and Jesus and his disciples are kind of sneakily making their way into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover as well. And so just outside the city of Jerusalem, there are two small towns, one called Bethany, another called Bethpage. And Jesus and his disciples are making their way through Bethpage. And as they stop there in Bethpage, just for a moment, Jesus gives his two unnamed disciples a rather cryptic commandment, which is go on into the next town. And when you get there, you will immediately see. Everybody say immediately. You will immediately see. How's that for a prophetic word, right? You're going to go into a town, and when you get there, just up ahead, just a little ways, you're going to immediately see a donkey and a colt tied. 
And he said, now, when you see this, I want you to go straight away and I want you to untie the donkey and the colt and I want you to bring them to me. Now, the disciples undoubtedly had no idea the purpose of Jesus's request. They simply did as he commanded. The disciples got up from where they were in Bethpage and they continued onward and they walked into a village. The Bible doesn't even say what the village is called. And they immediately see exactly what Jesus prophesied to them, that there was a donkey and a colt that was tied. And they walked over and began to untie it. Now, how many of you guys, if you were the owner of those animals, you would have said, hey, I don't know what you think you're doing, but those, that's my donkey and my colt, all right? Get away. These are my animals, my farm animals, right? They're probably some kind of income generating, you know, farm animal. That's my money right there, right? Say, no, no, no. But here's what Jesus tells them. If the person who they belong to tries to stop you, simply tell them this. You don't have to, you know, go into some long conversation with them. Just let them know that the Lord has need of them. So here's Jesus, you know, Jesus, he's, he's being a little mystical, right? I mean, how many of you guys would say that is mysterious, right? But it's not only mysterious, it's also messianic because it is God showing us what he is truly like. Jesus is proclaiming to his disciples when he says, tell them that the Lord has needed them, that he in fact is the Messiah, that he is the Lord, and that although those animals belong to this guy in this city that's unnamed just ahead, they really belong to him because he owns all things. Go ahead, go forward, tell them this. And here's Jesus, you know, he's putting on display the very nature of God. Because he's not choosing to ride into Jerusalem on a war horse. He is humble, the Bible says, and he's choosing a rather lowly animal to make his last passage into the city. He's chosen a donkey and a colt, and that is how he is going to come into the capital city of Jerusalem for the last time. It's Jesus showing us what God is like, that he is humble. And he's got in his mind, Jesus already knows this. Perhaps if you could think about it for a minute with me, maybe he's sitting down. Maybe he's in Beth Page there and he's looking ahead and maybe he sees the city walls just up ahead. And he begins to think, you know, this is probably the last time I'm gonna get to see these city walls from this vantage point. That is at least until I'm carrying a cross in the opposite direction on my way out. Man, I love this city and I love these people. They're my people. And I'm preparing my heart to ride in and fulfill the passage of Zechariah 9 and 9. Can you imagine what Jesus must have been going through in that moment? He was sending his disciples knowing that the clock was ticking down to when he would be crucified. He knew that his purpose lied just ahead. He knew that the mission, the very reason for why he was born was at hand. He looked ahead. He said, there's Jerusalem. There's my city. My heart breaks for those people. And I'm preparing my heart now to go in. And when I go in, it's going to be the last time that I do that. His purpose, he understood it. He knew what it was. His purpose was to go to the cross for you and I. He understood his mission. His mission was to sacrifice. He understood the reason why he was alive, which was to open himself up and to pour his love out to a world that had no idea what love really was. 
Jesus knew that was his purpose. He knew that was his mission. He said, you know, I'm about to be celebrated. And I know that because I know what Zechariah 9 and 9 says. But I know that just beyond that, my mission, my purpose to be sacrificed, to pour out is only a few hours away. About 533 years, give or take a few years, I looked it up. There was a prophet, his name was Zechariah, Zechariah 9 and 9. I'll read it to you real quick. We can pull it up. He prophesied about the Messiah. He prophesied about the Christ. He said, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. Notice here he is. He's, he's preparing the whole city to receive the Messiah one last time. He said, see, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. Isn't that just a crazy play on words that victorious and lowly would be in the same sentence? But that is Jesus showing us what God is like. He is showing us what our purpose is like, is that we are both victorious and humble. And he says, Jesus is going to come in lowly and he's going to be riding on a donkey, better yet on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That was 533 years before this moment. Do you think that Jesus understood what he was about to fulfill? Jesus knows. He says, hey, this is fitting for me to do, to declare the word of the Lord and fulfill the prophecy of Zechariah. So he's waiting on the disciples to bring back the donkey. They get back. You know, the, the donkey's there, the, the foal is there, the disciples are there, and they're probably trying to figure out what's exactly going on with Jesus. And, you know, maybe he looks a bit heavy-hearted, and they start to scramble because as they're approaching Jerusalem, they want to provide praise that is fit for a king. So they remove their outer garments. They start to take their cloaks off, the Bible says, their coats. And they start to lay them down upon the animals. And what they're doing is they're creating a saddle for Jesus to ride into Jerusalem with. So they put their coats on the saddle. Jesus climbs up. He's resting there on top of the donkey. And they begin to walk forward. And as they begin to walk, they begin to worship. They begin to praise. They begin to look upon Jesus. And they begin to say, Hosanna! Come on, you guys say it again. Hosanna. You got it. Hosanna to God in the highest. What are they saying? Hosanna. Now we know we say that on Palm Sunday, but what does it really mean? Actually, Hosanna is from Psalm 118. And what it means when you translate it, translate it out is this. God save us. That's what Hosanna means. It means God save us. How many of you guys know you don't ask anybody to save you that does not have the power to save you? Amen. So this crowd that begins together, they, they, they start to make a declaration that this man, who is this? This prophet from Nazareth, whose name is Jesus, he is the one. He is the Messiah. He is the King. He is the Lord. And that's why that psalm rises up, not just out of their history, but out of their hearts. And they say, Hosanna. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to God in the highest. Not only does it mean God save us, you know what else it means? God bless us. God bless us with prosperity. That's another interesting axiom, isn't it? That you'd see this man who's riding on a donkey with a bunch of co coats as a saddle, but you see him as the one 
who can give to you true prosperity. See, there's a mystery in that. He didn't have any money to speak of, but yet he was the source of real prosperity. That's a mic drop moment right there. Right? That is. No money, but had the potential to deliver prosperity. That's what Jesus does. And that's what the crowd is screaming. Hosanna, Hosanna to God in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna. And I did some research. It's interesting, the geography of Bethpage, because Bethpage is almost formed like a tunnel leading into Jerusalem and it, and it curves and it, and it winds around and then it eventually gets to the city gates. But the way that it's carved out creates almost like a natural megaphone, like a natural echo. And so as this crowd begins to gather around Jesus in the front and behind him and they start to rejoice, they, they start to shout Hosanna and the, and, the, and the echoes of that praise and that worship begin to go through that tunnel and they begin to get to the city walls. As Jesus was on his way to his purpose, they could hear him saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. They hear, what is this? So you probably had some of the religious folk as well. You know, they were looking on, not approving. Who is this? Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? And then there's Jesus on the back of a donkey saying, I'm on my way to pour out. I'm on my way to sacrifice. I'm on my way to my mission. I'm on my way to my purpose. You guys can shout if you want to. You guys can disapprove if you want to, but it's not going to stop me from staying on this donkey. I'm on a mission. I've got a purpose, and my purpose is to pour out. You may approve. You may praise. You may not. You may hate. You may throw some shade, but I got a purpose, and I'm sticking to my purpose, and my purpose is to pour out. Somebody say, my purpose is to pour out. Now, see, a lot of people don't know what their purpose is. At least they say they don't know what their purpose is. But you know what I believe? That you actually are way closer to your purpose than you think you are. I really do believe that. It's not a mile away. It's just inches a lot of times. You know, Jesus was just a town away from his purpose. He was just a few short hours away from his purpose. And I believe that sometimes the enemy tries to convince us that we're miles away from our purpose. But the truth is your purpose is just in the next town over. You're a lot closer to your purpose than you think you are. You could buy some books. You go to Barnes and Noble this afternoon, buy some books, and uh, you could learn about your purpose. You could learn about your personal mission statement. You could spend months, even years, crafting it, belaboring it. But the truth is, you probably already know what your purpose is. Yeah, you may not believe me yet, but listen, if we sat down just after church today, we sat down, we had five minutes to talk. That was all we had was five minutes. And I, and I asked you one question, which was, what is the single most important thing that you're going to do with the rest of your life? What would you say? If I ask you that today, what is the single most important thing that you're going to do with the rest of your life? What would you say? I mean, I would almost bet you that right now, just about every single person in here has already formulated a response to that simple question. It wouldn't even take you five minutes, take you about 30 seconds. You'd say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. You know what that is? That's purpose. Innately, it's there, especially if you're a Christian, man. You got the Holy Spirit moving on the inside of you. You know, you know why you're alive. You know that you have a mission. You know that you've been fashioned with a purpose and you know that that purpose always involves pouring out. Do you not? Amen. 
Your purpose is not just about you. Jesus understood that. He knew that his purpose was to sacrifice, that his purpose was to pour out. And we all know when we think about that single greatest thing that we're gonna do, that we have a purpose to pour out. We have a purpose to bless other people. We have a purpose to make a difference. We have a purpose to change the world. We have a purpose to write history. We have a purpose to shake Nashville up. You know, that we have a, you all know it. I know that you know it because I know most of you. We, we've had coffee together. And you tell me of these wild and crazy dreams that you have about your purpose. You say, man, I got a, I got a purpose, man. I'm going to rescue kids from human trafficking. Man, I'm going to go start schools somewhere over in, in the Horn of Africa. You know, I'm going to go to places that are the darkest places in the world. And I'm going to build schools and playgrounds. And, and I'm going to minister to women. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reestablish and, re, and you know, help, help people find family. Yeah. I, some of you guys, that's your dream. Some of you guys have other dreams. You said, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip the entertainment industry upside down. I'm going to flip the education industry upside down. You know, I'm going to flip the political uh, mountain upside down. I know that God has anointed me. He's called me. He's purposed me to pour out. Yeah. And that's what Jesus understood as he's on the back of this donkey. He said, man, I got a purpose. And I'm pushing forward into my purpose. And my purpose is to pour out. You know, the thing about the devil is he always likes to deal in distractions. Do you guys know that? The devil deals in distractions. The devil cannot stop God from talking to you about your purpose. But the devil can distract you so that you don't live it out. Let me say it to this side of the room. You guys, I don't think you guys got that. The devil cannot stop God from talking to you about your purpose, but he can distract you from living it. Am I going to have to go back? Can I get two good amens? He, that's what he does. The devil deals in distractions. You know, a lot of times you'll hear somebody say something like this. They'll say, you know what? I'm just going to take a season off. You ever heard that before? I'm, I'm about to get in your business now. You know, I'm just, I'm just going to take a season off, Lyle. Can I tell you about 100% of the time, that's a bad idea? Because what starts out as a short-term season ends up becoming a long-term lifestyle. And the most common distraction that the enemy tries to drop in, you know, he tries to hit you with that salt bay distraction. <laughs> and he tries to sprinkle it, right? You see what I'm saying? He tries to hit you with that. And for those of you guys who don't know what it is, look it up on Instagram afterward. It's just, it's just a little bit. And usually it's in the form of this. You don't have enough money. And I've seen people take short-term seasons off to make money. And they end up getting caught in a long-term lifestyle. Stuck. Doing not what they're called to do, but doing what they have to do. See, a distracted disciple only talks about what they have to do, not what they're called to do. Because they're distracted. They can't pull their head above water. Man, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. Most likely, it's because you took a season off. You know, what you give birth to in the flesh, you got to steward in the flesh. But what you give birth to in the spirit... God's spirit will give you grace to steward. So don't take a season off. Look at your neighbor and say, don't take a season off. Don't take a season off. Look at the person on the other side. You say, press in. 
Press into your purpose. Press into your purpose. Your purpose is to pour out. Can somebody say amen? amen. Your purpose is to pour out. You know, here's the thing about what Jesus was experiencing. You know, he was pressing on to your purpose. I know some of you guys in here, you're pressing on to your purpose. You know what you're called to. You know you have a mission. You're pressing on. But here's the thing, is that if the enemy, if the devil cannot distract you with something obvious, you know, say like money or finances, he'll distract you with something less obvious, like the praise of people. So if, if, if he can't distract you with something big and, and, and very obvious like a problem, he, he'll distract you with something small and seemingly good like praise. And he'll put you in a pattern of living for praise rather than living for purpose. And we'll live for the credit rather than for the contribution. I got to punt something. Are you guys with me? So he tries to distract us. He said, oh, you know, just live for that. And that's exactly the temptation that Jesus received. Here he is. You know, he's riding in, man. And finally, finally, Jesus gets the fanfare that he deserves. After raising all those people from the dead, after cleansing all those lepers, after healing all those blind folk, after healing all those deaf people, Jesus is finally getting the praise that the Messiah is due. I mean, after all, the exact thing that was happening is exactly what happened all the time whenever kings would conquer cities and come back home. This was not an abnormal practice. The triumphal entry was something that happened all the time during this period of history. Kings would actually have expensive carpets created months in advance to be laid down at their feet so that their war horses could trample over them as they came back into the city after they conquered another. And so that's what the people were doing. This was a historic red carpet event. They were cutting down palm branches. They were taking their coats off. They were throwing them in the dirt and letting this donkey trample all over them because they were trying their best to provide some praise fit for a king. They said, man, we praise you. Hosanna, we praise you. Man, what a great opportunity that Jesus had to stop the entire parade and say, you know what? Let's just have one final sermon right here. I've had a lot of messages so far. I'm gonna have another one right here. After all, I'm finally getting all the praise. It's not so much, you know, pushback. I'm getting all the glory. This is a good, give me a microphone, Peter. You know, John, get the keynote ready. You know, and so he's getting, you know, he could get up and get ready to give a message and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm up to. This is who I am. This is the nature of my kingdom. Come on, let's win some souls. Get out there, Thomas. Start laying hands on them, you know. Hey, you, oh, Judas, get the salvation cards. We got to make sure we're you're getting the emails. Right? He could have he used the opportunity. He could have used the opportunity to do that. After all, I mean, he is the Messiah. He's finally getting that praise, you know, but he didn't. Notice that instead of shouting, Jesus just stayed silent because Jesus wasn't living for the praise. Jesus was living for purpose. But see, that's the problem is that most people, they'll stop with the praise instead of pressing on into their purpose. They'll live for the recognition of people and not live out their purpose from Jesus. Jesus knew what his purpose was. He said, you know, I know my purpose. My purpose is to pour out. My purpose is not just to receive. My purpose is to give back. But see, when we live for the praise of man, we turn our purpose into just getting our stuff and our needs met 
and our recognition and all the things that we need. But true purpose doesn't take place whenever we're receiving. Our true purpose is fleshed out whenever we're giving. Whenever we're serving, your purpose is to pour out. Jesus was possessed by purpose and he didn't have to acknowledge. He didn't have to stop with the sermon. He didn't have to look over and say, yeah, you're doing a good job. Look over, yep, yeah, get a little louder. Get a little louder. This is my last time in. He had, a, he had a purposeful gaze. He had a focus. He was locked in. He was locked on. He was looking up at the walls, looking at that rugged cross and said, I got a purpose. So look at the person left, say, I got a purpose. Look at the person on the right, say, it's to pour out. It's to pour out. It's to pour out. So here's the question I have for you. Are you going to settle for the praise of people or are you going to press on into your purpose? That's my question for you. Are you going to settle for the praise of people or are you going to press on into your purpose? When you get praise, when you deserve praise, because you deserve praise, praise is a universal need, honor. We all want honor. We all want recognition. That's a human need. We all need that. We all want that. But what happens when you get that? That's my question to you. What happens when you get that? When you finally get the recognition that you deserve, how do you respond? Do you stop? Do you settle? Do you say, you know what, man, Beth Page seems pretty good. I think I'll do all right without that cross. I think I'll do all right without that giving back. I think I'll do all right without that whole crown of thorns thing. I think I'm good. I think I'll just settle. I'll just stay right here in this place of recognition, in this place of praise, in this place of being adored. Because, see, that's what real leaders understand. They understand that, hey, maybe today is praise, but tomorrow is a cross. But I got to press on into my purpose because I have a destiny that is to pour out, to give back, to love, and not just to take. You guys with me? And that's exactly what Jesus did. He said, I'm locked in. I'm locked on. And I know where I'm headed. I know where I'm going. And he continued. And he continued. And he continued. And he stayed on track. And he stayed on the mission. And he understood that, hey, this is what I'm called to do. And that's what I want to say to you guys today. That this is what you are called to do. Your purpose doesn't take place when you are congratulated. That, 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 that's, that's not when your purpose has taken place. Don't get it twisted. Just because you've been congratulated does not mean that your purpose has been demonstrated. And that's the easy way where you can remember it. Just because people are saying amen doesn't mean anything. If you have any experience at all, you understand that today, those same people that are saying Hosanna will be the same people that are saying crucify him. Because that was the exact same crowd. And if you've been living for any time at all, you already know that that's the case. Whenever everybody else is throwing their coats and palm branches and shouting, people will jump on the bandwagon and say, oh, look at him. That's great. That's great. That's great. But then what happens when you have a bad day? What happens whenever people rule against you? What happens when people turn their backs on you? What happens when all your friends desert you? And those same people who were rejoicing just a few days later, earlier, are, are saying, crucify him today. Do you die in that or do you press on to your purpose? Because if you live by the praise of men, you'll die by their criticisms. If you live by the praise of men, you'll die by their criticisms. Hey, I got you, bro. I got you. If you live by the praise of men, you will die by their criticisms. That's why Jesus could stay quiet. 
That's why Jesus could stay calm. You know, he didn't go nuts whenever he jumped up 100 people on Instagram. That's okay. Today must be a good day. It's all good. I'm going to keep moving forward. He didn't, he didn't get crazy when, you know, something great happened. Some money came to him, something good. He had a good day. You know, people acknowledged him. He just kept moving forward. He didn't say anything, didn't have to say anything. In fact, I might say on the other, on the other hand, he, he probably had some tears streaming down his cheeks because he knew. He knew. So where have you settled? Where have you settled for praise when God was asking you for purpose? Where have you stopped along the way and made it about you rather than pouring out to other people? That's the question I have for you today because all of you are being commissioned this morning as, as an evangelist. And here's why. Because next week is Easter Sunday. And if there has ever been a time that somebody is open and receptive to being invited to church, it's next Sunday morning. People will come to church on Easter that will not go to church any other time at all. People go to church on Easter that will not come to your baby dedication. It's an interesting thing. It works like that. But here's here's the good thing about it is that next week, we're going to make it all about people coming home to Jesus. All right. And so we're going to pray today and I'm going to ask you to press on. Don't stop with the praise. Don't stop with the recognition. Don't stop with the acknowledgement. No matter how many good things are going on in your life, know this, that if you fulfill every prophetic word over your life and you achieve achieve every single dream that you have, but you're the only person that gets blessed, you didn't live your purpose. If every prophetic word that had been spoken over Christ's life was fulfilled, but he never went to the cross, would he have lived his purpose? There was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of prophetic words piled up over his life. He fulfilled them all. But if he wouldn't have went to the cross to pour out, he would have missed his purpose. So you may fulfill all your prophecies. You may have prophecies over your life since you were a baby. But if they stop with you, you didn't live your purpose. You may have dreams. You may have goals. You may have checklists. You may have things written down on your whiteboard. You may have it in your prayer closet. You may go after it every single day and achieve the definition of what culture calls success. But if you're the only person that gets blessed, you didn't live your purpose. Jesus didn't stop, but he pressed on. Somebody say press on. on. So I invite you to stand up. We're going to pray. We're leaving adequate time this morning for baptisms. And here's the thing. Some of you guys, man, you have allowed the journey to stifle your progress in pressing on into your purpose. Some of you guys don't know what your purpose is. And for some of you guys, your purpose is in that water, man. I'm being honest with you. I'm being direct with you because I believe that for some of us today is a day of salvation. And I I want the Lord to minister to you. You You can hear good word. It can be exciting. It can be fun. But unless Jesus touches you, we don't fulfill our purpose as a church. Yeah, so those of you guys who are going to get baptized, you can go ahead and get ready. Philip will be happy to serve you. We'll get you you a T-shirt. Just fair warning, all right, the water's cold. So if you are going to get baptized, just it's, it's warm outside, though. You can put the heat on in the car. But here's what I want to do, guys. I want to pray a prayer that Christians today are praying all over the world. And it's a corporate prayer, it's a liturgical prayer, it's an ancient prayer. But I want, I want us to end with this prayer. This is, this is a prayer that people pray on Palm Sunday and our brothers and sisters in the Middle East today are praying this prayer. Yeah. 
Our brothers and sisters in Syria that we've been seeing on the news, they're praying this prayer. Our Orthodox brothers and sisters, they're praying this prayer. Our Catholic brothers and sisters, they're praying this prayer. The weak, the people who celebrated with Jesus, they're praying this prayer. Those who do not yet know what their purpose is, maybe they came to church today for the first time in a lot of churches around the world, they're hearing this prayer. So today, as we pray, I want you to take a step of faith and say, I'm gonna press on. I'm gonna press on. I'm gonna press on into my purpose. They're not cheering today, Lau. They're not praising today. They hurt me. They're talking against me. They're gossiping, they're lying. But I'm gonna press on. I'm gonna press on. I know that in just a few days, things might be getting worse, but I'm gonna press on. I know that today might've been a bad day and it's not getting any better, but I'm gonna press on. It ain't looking great for my family right now, but I'm gonna press on. Because my purpose is not recognition. My purpose is not a standing ovation. My purpose is not an applause. My purpose is to pour out. My purpose is the cross. My purpose is sacrifice. My purpose is to love. My purpose is to open up until it feeds someone else. My purpose is to be filled up with God's love, so much so that other people receive God's love when they interact with me. My purpose is to pour out. So today, I choose to press on. Here's what the prayer is. It says, Almighty and ever-living God, in your tender love, for the human race, you sent your son, our savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon him our nature and to suffer death upon the cross, giving us the example of his great humility, mercifully grant that we may walk in the way of his suffering and also share in his resurrection through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. amen. If you'd like to be baptized, you can go and make your way there now. If you're ready to be dismissed and you're going to go out and celebrate Palm Sunday, I just want you to find about three, four, five people around you as we're dismissed and just tell them, press on, press on, press on. You got this. We love you. We bless you. You're dismissed in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to be baptized, come on out. If you want to celebrate or you have friends being baptized, come on out. Love to see you out there. God bless you guys. We love you.